with a great, great special speaker. Brother Ryan Neer has been an evangelist for a long time, but then God called him off of that field to become a pastor in the Colorado Springs area, the city of security. And um, we were just there a couple of months ago with them at their church, and, and it's always wonderful to catch up with them. Uh, he, it's a blessing to the church that he became a pastor. It's a, not a blessing that he's come off the evangelist field because he's blessed a lot of churches around the world. And, uh, and so we're so grateful. Not only is he and his family just great friends of our family, but he based out of this church, their family based out of this church for just a short time uh, in the between evangelism and, and uh, also pastoring. They were here with us through COVID. And so uh, hopefully we never have another round of COVID like that. But if we do, at least maybe we gave him something on what to do, I guess, or what not to do. Um, but this is a man of God who, if you were here last night, he challenged us in a powerful way. And so I know that God has given him a word for us today. And so whether you're here in person or online, uh, we just welcome the man of God. But if you're here in person, if you're, maybe you're driving, I don't want you to stand up if you're driving online, but if you're in person, would you just stand to your feet and welcome the man of God to this pulpit? Amen. Can we clap our hands to Jesus? He's the reason why we're here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. I worship you. I magnify you, oh God. Oh, I give you all the glory, oh God. In this house, huh? in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Well, it's good to be back home in Liberty, Missouri, here with Refuge Church. We came in Friday night. We stopped by our Chick-fil-A. Oh, no, no, no. Wait, wait. We've had to make some transitions. Our Slim Chickens. Y'all, what? Y'all backslid. Just a, what is, is that it ain't the Lord's chicken. It ain't chicken at all. All right, I guess. But then we got to drive by our old house, and we got a little nostalgic because that year that we spent here with you was one of the best, if not the best years of our lives. And it's good to be back at our church here this afternoon. Amen. Amen. Um, I, do love, I do love this church. This is one of the greatest churches on God's green earth. And you have one of the best ministry teams, but one my favorite preacher as your pastor... So if you're a guest here, you got to come back next Sunday because my favorite preacher preaches here. Amen. And, uh, and I, I was teasing when they came to Colorado Springs, and I was kind of saying, you know, uh, they were both speaking, and I said, you know, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but one of them's my favorite preacher. 
And I was joking, but in all reality, Sister Dornbach, he is my favorite preacher. But you, let, no, 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 hold on, hold on. But you are so, such a compliment to him and to this church. I, I, I don't ever want this church to take her for granted because of the anointing and the heart that she has for you and the things of God. I have literally, listen, I have never, hold on a second. Y'all clapping. Because no. I, got, I got a bunch to say and I got to hurry up because it's my nap time. But they, those two right there are some of the most, if there was ever a couple that complimented each other, in ministry, it is these two, and you are blessed to have them and the leadership that is here, the Fosters, the Coles, the Hueys, the, the everybody that is involved in leadership here. We do love you. We do care about you. Um, and uh, listen, I'll preach about it a little bit more, but I do feel like I have something very special that can help us to step into this next season. If you will literally just lean forward and say, God, I want to hear whatever you want me to hear and have whatever you want me to have, you will leave here changed, transformed, empowered if you will only hear what thus saith the Lord. Your response to the word last night was very powerful. Um, I, I appreciate your response. But if you would, if you have your Bibles I want you to turn to Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 3, and we'll begin reading at verses 1, and I do want to say on behalf of my wife, she is at home praying, she is at home pastoring, and uh, I miss her, but we were praying, we were fasting, the whole church, we actually just did a three-day fast for this trip, um, the church gathered together with me, and we fasted. Now, fasting is not, um, fast doesn't mean it's got to be fast because we got to hurry up and get this over. But uh, my pastor used to say that fasting gives you spiritual antennas. Now, coming from an ex-stoner, that sounded really cool. I don't know why the Lord sent me to Colorado Springs because I already conquered that devil. But we are, we are. Ah, uh, there is a Bible verse in Colorado and Coloradians or whatever. I don't even know. I'm from Iowa. But I know that there is some people from Colorado in the Bible because it says in Hebrews chapter 11 that they, the Bible says, they were stoned. They were sawn asunder. Um, I'm just seeing where y'all y'all are at. I just... You know, I didn't know. I don't know. All right. Amen. We did a, we had a potluck. BYO. We did a potluck. We themed, the theme was called Bring Your Own Pot. BYOP. It was the highest attendance we've ever had. Um, it's like they're pulling it out of me, okay? Strike that from the tape. 
Okay, all right. We're saved now. It's under the blood. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It's good to be back. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. The Bible says, now. That's a transitional phrase. Now, as opposed to then. Now, Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. That's actually, uh, in, in the Bible times, that was 2 o'clock. I'm just kidding. That was not 2 o'clock. But being the ninth hour, watch this. And a certain man, well, I mean, it was 3, but pretty close. I'm just saying, the Lord's always on time. And a certain man, notice, was lame from his mother's womb and was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. And at that gate called beautiful, where that man, that lame man was laid, in verse 3 it says, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked in alms, And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us and give heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him. By the right hand and lifted him up and immediately, somebody say immediately, Immediately. say it again, immediately, Immediately. his feet and ankle bones received strength. In verse 8, and he, the lame man, leaping up stood and walked And entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. This afternoon, I would like to help you by ministering on this subject. Beautiful isn't always pretty. When it's your time for God to do what he has always designed for your life, it's not always going to be pretty. It's a process. So if you would, I want you to pray with me that God would not only minister to us as a corporate body, but I want you to pray, God, zero in on me. And speak to my life and where I am so that I can step into what I've been sitting outside of. Would you lift your hands, Father? Lift your voices together with those hands, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord. 
I come to you, Lord, thankful for your word, thankful for what I feel, but I'm asking, oh God, that you would loose my tongue to speak as an oracle of the Lord unto these, your people. I pray, Father, I feel a prophetic anointing, oh God, but I pray that you would quicken our minds together to what is the will of God for this service and these people. Oh God, I pray, binding every hindering spirit, whether human or demonic, every spirit of religious tradition, oh God, every spirit that would lie, oh God, I bind its voice and I pray loose, oh God, clarity and confirmation in this house, ministering angels to minister amongst those who would be the heirs of salvation in this house. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. For you're seated, bump your neighbor and tell him you look pretty today. <laughs> and you may be seated. Amen. It's the classic story of the ugly duckling. That's the message. I'll say the story. You know it. I'll rehearse it to you. You say, wow, and then we'll go. <laughs> Come on, back home in Colorado, Pastor and uh, Sister Dornbach, they got to see it. I got laminated pieces of paper that say, amen, Come on, preach. That's right. And because they just sit there and they look at me funny, I just raise one. Amen. That's right. Come on, preach. My arms got tired when they were all ministering. I was holding the signs up. Come on. That's right. Come on, preach. Amen. But the story of the ugly duckling, that's, that's it. The ugly duckling, it hatches amongst the ducklings and they look at this ugly duckling and they reject it. They shun it. It doesn't look right. There's something wrong with it. So they push the ugly duckling out of the fold to the edge. And then that ugly duckling being rejected from what he deemed was his family now has wandered off through a wilderness season, a, a fall in a winter as the story goes. And then after a fall in a winter season, that ugly duckling being rejected and shunned now joins himself with a group of swans. And with that group of swans, after some growth and some maturity, after certain seasons had passed, joining himself to the swans with a simple drink of water. He looks into that water and he realizes for the first time in his life, he looks at the swans, he looks back at the revelatory reflection of the fact that he was never a duck at all. He was a swan. He did not recognize his own beauty. And not recognizing his beauty, it took certain seasons of life to bring out that beauty for him to recognize who he really was. 
See, this is the message today. It takes seasons of life to show us things. And it takes God's timing to reveal to us and reflect his perfect will and what true beauty is. Because true beauty is not wrapped up in just simply how things appear. Because you can look at one thing one season and it can be completely just, 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 ugh. But in another season, you can look back. It's like Ecclesiastes 3 and 1. Watch this. To everything, the Bible says, there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, he goes on, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted. My wife hates that season. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up. A time to weep, and a time to laugh. A time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get, a time to loose, a time to keep, a time to cast away, a time to rent, or not rent, rend. And a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak. But it all boils down to verse 11. He, he brings all of this wisdom that there's a time for everything. There's a season for everything. It is the wisdom, the, the, the masterful wisdom of Solomon that boils it down in verse 11. And he said, he hath made everything. Some things. A few things. No, no, no. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Notice what that said. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. It didn't say your time. It didn't say my time. But in God's timing, he could take what was undesirable in one season of life and make it the most desired thing in your life. Because there is a very real thing called seasons that can change your perspective and what I didn't want then oh I need it now and when you understand that he hath made everything oh I wish I could preach it like I feel it I feel like a ball of fire right now he hath made everything it doesn't matter if it's a time to dance or a time to this ain't pretty when I dance but everything is beautiful. So that tells me appearance is not what defines beauty. It's seasons. It's timing. So when we look at the word beautiful, that word beautiful that identifies the gate where that lame man is being carried outside the temple every day, that gate called beautiful, that word in the Greek, it literally means belonging 
to a certain season. It almost gives us the word picture of a rose coming into its season and unfolding itself and displaying God's creative masterpiece when the season is right. So we see this man, lame, carried there daily. And he for years sits positioned outside of the gate that will lead him into the temple where was the presence of God, the power of God. But here's the deal. He was there, lame, outside of the gate. He was sitting there outside of what others were walking into, others were accessing. He is there, not able to go in because the law forbid those that were lame, those that were crippled and with withered hands. They could not access so there he sits outside of what he knows is possible and can I tell you I feel like this is where many of us are in our walks with God that we have been brought to a place and we have been brought to a time where God has us positioned right outside of the greatest realities of God that we've ever known. That he has got some things that he wants us to step into that we have been sitting outside of for a very long time. But can I tell you, Refuge Church, can I tell you, guests, you didn't just come here today and say, well, I'll settle for what I have, but you know that there's more and God is about to step us into what we have been sitting outside of. Why hasn't it happened yet? That's the question I'll ask. Is because it's a gate called beautiful. The reason why things have not happened like you thought they would already have happened, the reason why is because your miracle did not belong to that season, but it belongs to this season. Can I tell you your revival? It didn't belong to 2020. It didn't belong to 2021. But it belongs to 2023, 24. Hey. I'm telling somebody today the reason why it hadn't happened for you just yet it's not because the prophecies were wrong it's not because the man of God missed it but it's because that word didn't belong to that season it belongs to this season because it's God's timing but can I tell you, I remember going and preaching for a pastor up in Calgary. He came into the church. And, and I, I kind of adopted this when we went to Colorado Springs. But I was preaching for him and he, he literally had this slogan on the wall. 300 in three years. He prayed, he fasted, he knew it was the will of God for them to begin to run 300 in three years. But three years came and went, and they weren't running 300. So all of a sudden, there was a damper on their faith. 
well, pastor, I thought you. And I went there. I think it was 2021. Everything was shut down. They're like, what about the word? And I was, I went there and I, because I knew it 303 years. I was believing with them. I was like, yeah, I'm going to come back one of these times and they're going to go from 15 to 300 and not know how it happened. But here's the deal. The Lord, oh, we got the lights. It's the feds. No, I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> right? But no, watch. And the Lord gave me the, the, this word of wisdom to help him to understand and that church to ignite their faith again. Because he said, I said, God gave you 303 years. You interpreted that as the first three years. But I felt like the Lord said, the next three years. Because we can get a word and we can apply the timing to it. And we can miss it. And because words, they belong to certain seasons. But there are things that I want you to understand that you can do to accelerate God's or accelerate God's uh, uh, plan. And accelerate God's timing so that you can step into the things that God has you positioned outside of in a more, uh, I don't, I don't want to say more quicker because that's my wife would correct more quicker she's not here amen but don't you tell her either though don't you tell her okay more quicker there are things that you can do to accelerate God's timing in your life so you can finally step into your certain season and I believe this next season for refuge is going to be berserk like crazy in a good way, okay? But would you like to have some, maybe some tools, some mentalities maybe that God would help you to have so that you can access it? Okay, the first thing that we find with this lame man being laid at the gate called beautiful. Well, his story wasn't pretty. He's there laying heaped in a mess, but here come Peter and John walking down the aisle on their way to prayer. And the Bible said as they are coming, that lame man, he is like, he is like, oh, goody. These are the ones that know how to give good offering here. And they're like expecting, this lame man is expecting to receive something of them. But here's the deal. Peter and John's response was, Silver and gold have I none. So the first thing is that the Bible showed us that that man that was sitting outside of what he would eventually walk into was that he came to the temple expecting the wrong kind of change. 
expecting to receive something of them, but Peter's response lets us know what he was after. Hey, listen, I don't have any silver or gold, but such as I have, give I thee. In other words, the first thing that's going to keep you outside of what you're eventually going to walk into is when you come to the temple expecting the wrong kind of change. That man, all the change he wanted was just enough change so he could cope in his condition for another day. He didn't want change that was going to change his He wanted change that would change his circumstance, but not his condition. But uh but I'm here to tell you when they came he said listen I don't have the change to help you cope in your current condition but the change I have will pull you out of the mess that you're in that you've learned to live with Because what happens is we learn to cope with our conditions. And when we come to the temple or the house of God, we come with a certain kind of change in mind. And we're expecting a certain kind of change. Just enough change, Pastor, so I can stay living the same way I've always lived. But not, just just give me enough, just, just enough. Oh, 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 big spender. It's my friend Abraham. Oh. <laughs> Pastor, we just want enough change to change our circumstance so we can just cope with our condition. But sometimes the change that God has for you when you come to the temple, it's not silver and gold so you can keep living another day in the, in the, the mess that we are in. But he said the kind of change that's going to happen that you should be expecting is not God to change your circumstance, but God to change me and what I am in because my circumstance is not the thing that's keeping me out of what I'm about to step in to it's something with me so God instead of change my circumstance God use your circum the circumstance to change me because I don't need silver and gold and enough cha- I don't you can have the silver and gold but the change I need is that kind of change that will liberate me to begin to walk into what I've been sitting outside of So I don't want you to come into the temple today, into the house of God today, with the only kind of change in mind is that kind of change. I remember, I remember there was one lady, I was a young, I was young in the Lord. And there was a lady that came up, and she came up on the platform, and she was talking to my pastor, and she said, she said, hey, can, can I get some, just like some, maybe some change or some, somebody to help me? I've got a prescription that I've got to go pick up, and I've got, you know, to do, my pastor, he kind of went off the platform, and he went into the back, into his office, and I just thought, in my immature mind, what you need is not just a prescription field. You need deliverance. And I'm so, it came out of my mouth <laughs> as soon as I thought it. I don't advise this, okay? I didn't. Oh, they're going to think I'm crazy. I was, so, I was just so young and I said, what you, it's slow motion for me, okay? 
What you need is not a prescription field. I said, you need deliverance. It was like slow motion for me. And when I said it, she fell to the floor screaming with a demonic voice. No, you don't tell me. I mean, it was crazy. I, I, I thought, I was like, I thought this only happened in Hollywood, but I'd never seen anything like this in my life. I'm brand new, and, and she falls to the floor. She's tearing out her hair, and she's growling and grumbling. And I'm like, my God. I'm like, see, I told you. And my pa- I'm terrified. I don't know where my pastor is. He's trying to get a few dollars in the back. She don't need dollars. She needs to deli- Right? So we come in the house. Listen, he's nowhere to be found, and I've got to deal with it. I don't know how to cast the devil out. But the thing is, she didn't need dollars. She needed deliverance. So we come in on such a low level of knowing what kind of change we need. But I'm here to tell you, we come to the house expecting to receive that word that's going to get us by for another day. That's going to help us continue in our condition. But our circumstances are changed at least. But no, if you want to step into your season, you've got to embrace your circumstance and let your circumstance change your condition. I need to be changed. Change, not change that, change me. Preach to me, Pastor. Preach to me, Brother Foster. Preach to me. So he said, Listen, I don't have that kind of change. With that kind of change, you'll just sit in the same rut you've always lived in. But if you come with the right kind of change in mind, I'm going today and God's going to change me. He's going to change my attitude. He's going to change the way I think. He's going to change the way I live. He's going to change the way I respond. But then, but then, silver and gold have I none, buddy. But such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. The second thing is, He reaches down and grabs him by the right hand as opposed to the wrong hand. Um, And he... You didn't read it like that? Okay, okay. But then... Reaches down and lifts him up. So the first thing is, you've got to expect the right kind of lift. Or No, that's the second thing. Expect the right kind of change and then you have to receive the right kind of lift. What do you mean? Well, if he goes and he picks him up, he's not unfamiliar with that motion because he's been carried every day of his life. So to be lifted was nothing new, but it was the kind of lift that was different. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because he was saying, Peter was, listen, if you're going to get into what you've been sitting outside of, you can't keep receiving the same kind of lift that you've always received where somebody has to carry you to get you where you need to be because every day he was carried by somebody else's faith, he was carried by somebody else's strength and laid at that gate. But 
But he said, if you're going to go into what you've been sitting outside of, I'm going to lift you one more time. But this lift is not to carry you. But this lift is for you to be able to put two feet underneath you and start to apply your own faith, start to pray your own prayers, start to believe your own promises, get a hold of that word in your head. Hey, somebody, I'm telling you, if Refuge Church is going to go into the perfect will of God, there has got to be individuals that receive the right kind of lift. Not that pastor has to carry you with every sermon. Pastor, oh, no, no, no. You start coming, and I'm going to give you one more lift. And you start saying, well, I'm going I'm to do, if the word says it, I'm going to apply my faith. And I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. And I will listen to me very carefully. Please, please, please. Because you will not be carried by somebody else into your season. This church will not go into its next season with a codependent culture that needs somebody else's faith, somebody else's prayers. Not that there's not times where somebody needs to pray for you. That's not what I'm talking about. But it's when you make people your source and not the supplement to your faith. You make your relationship with people the source of your faith. And you need them. That's why David got to a place where even the people he was leading wanted to stone them or stone him. And you know what the Bible said? He encouraged himself because David knew my season is coming because he he was anointed as king but he wasn't yet wearing a crown Uh, so you can be anointed king but not yet wearing your crown but it was all about timing because listen I feel this in the Holy Ghost David went back to Ziklag that city that he was settling for and with Ziklag I guess we'll stay at Ziklag and then at Ziklag by the time they got there the city was burned and their wives were taken their children were gone they weren't killed they were just being held hostage but guess what David goes and he gets his wives and uh, yeah that's a statement Uh, he goes and gets his wives and he goes and gets his children he brings them back to Ziklag But watch, he stayed in Ziklag two extra days. And two days later, here comes the crown. Can I tell you, timing is very important. Because that very place that he had experienced pain, rejection, it came full circle and he ended up back there to receive a crown. So you can be anointed king, but not yet have a crown. But David had to go through a season where he had to encourage himself. Because God designed it in his law that if you're lame, you can't get into the house, into his presence like that. So what has to happen is you have got to get to a place where you know how to apply your faith. And you know how to encourage yourself in the Lord. And when you get to that place, that's when we step into what we've been sitting outside of. It cannot because you cannot get in there 
on somebody else's faith. You cannot get in there on somebody else's strength. You cannot get in there by somebody else's walk with God. But when you make up in your mind, I am here today to receive the right kind of lift. It's not that we don't love you. It's not that we don't care about you. But we are trying to empower you to put your faith on display so you can step into some things that were off limits to you and seasons gone by. So I'm saying it's time for you to do something. It's time for you to plug into purpose. It's time for you to apply your faith. Amen. Right now, I'm just, I'm just kind of walking through this, okay? Oh, because that's not the only thing. Because now you got your own faith. But how many times had he been carried there? All his life. I see a middle-aged man. I don't know what you see. I see a middle-aged man because I'm heading that way as a middle-aged man. I feel like it, okay? I feel like I'm a teenager sometimes. And other times I feel I'm getting older. And I realize I've been one of the senior married couples in our church. Besides those that have been married 70 years, it's all 70 and then 15 years. Okay. But listen. Not only did they have to expect the right kind of change when you come to the house of God and receive the right kind of lift to break any codependent relationships that we have that will keep us out of the will of God and the timing of God. Oh, Lord. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> did you see that? I was wrestling with the Lord right there. Because here's the thing. When you have a codependent relationship with the church that's unhealthy, you want to know what happens. It's like the nurse and that young man named Mephibosheth that grew up, grew up crippled. Mephibosheth was five years old. And when, when there was, his life was threatened by a theory that somebody was coming to kill him, his nurse, the one who had taught him how to walk, to read, to write, to count, that same nurse that taught him how to apply his physical footsteps to a certain direction. When time came, that nurse in fear swooped him up and began to carry him even though he had the ability to walk. And the nurse ended up, when she tried to carry him, when he had the ability to walk, ended up crippling him. Because that's what happens when there's, time, when there's codependent relationships that, that are unhealthy in the church where, where the, the, the nurse had to try to carry Mephibosheth when he did have the ability to walk. But here's the thing. If like a minister or a pastor or, or a mentor has to carry you when you have the ability to walk, they'll end up crippling you because what happens is when I have to carry you and apply my my faith to your situation, it'll end up crippling you and keeping you from what God has for you. Because when I have to carry you and carry your faith by my prayers through your situation, watch what happens. It keeps me or keeps you from potential strength, but robs me of present strength. 
Does that make sense? So that's why God said no. No. The right kind of lift. But then the third thing, I want to move on quickly. The third thing is, you have got to acclimate to the immediate. What did he just say? Because the Bible says when he prayed and lifted him up with the right kind of lift, one last lift to get you on your feet, the Bible says immediately the ankle bones receive strength. But here's the deal. In a moment he received the power to change. In a moment he had the power to walk. But here's the deal. To acclimate, I've actually got the definition of acclimate because the Lord just gave me this fresh this morning in prayer. To acclimate means to become accustomed to a new climate or to new conditions. It's a respond, a response of physiological or behaviorally to respond physiologically or behaviorally to a change in an environmental factor. So here's what I want you to understand. That God could do it in a moment. But then the problem is when God gave his ankle bone strength immediately, his body, his spirit, his emotions, and his mind had to play catch up with what God did in a moment. So what happens is when it's your time and that moment comes and the change is immediate, we've got to acclimate and we've got to adjust in our mind, in our spirit, in our emotion to what God just did. And what happens is God does the change, but it looks uncoordinated. It doesn't look like you thought it would. And when it doesn't look like you thought it would, that's when beautiful isn't pretty. Yes, I've got the power to walk, but I don't have the mind to. So there's a disconnect between the two and therefore it's disconjointed and life doesn't look like you thought it would when your season comes. So beautiful isn't pretty. So when it doesn't look like what we thought that it would, that's when we're saying, I'm about to abandon beauty. Because listen, refuge, this is very key. You can experience change but then fail to transition. Because you may be on location, but transition is learning how to walk in the change that you've now experienced. So now everything in your being, yes, you're on location. You're where you need to be. But the rest of you is playing catch up with what you know is the will of God. It ain't pretty. It's like a, it's like a tall, gangly boy that's coming into his maturity. But still, he don't know how to handle his limbs. It ain't pretty. But can I tell you, that's why they call it growing pains. And that's where we are. 
I felt this so strong. What we're going through right now is learning to acclimate to what God has already done in the immediacy of the moments that we've experienced. But now God has already given us the strength, the power to change. But now we are learning to acclimate to what he did then. And it may not look like what we thought that it would. But hear me. I know, I know. Because you can experience change all too often but then fail to transition and abort that beauty. Because when you abort the beauty, listen, it seems sometimes it's easier just to fall back into the predictability of slavery rather than the responsibility of your new season. So don't you dare when beautiful ain't pretty, when your season is upon you but you thought you'd be further down the road. You thought you'd have more going on in your world. When it doesn't look like you thought that it would. Hey, and it ain't pretty. Don't you dare try to go back to the predictability of your last season because you don't understand the next steps of your new season. Oh, I wish you'd clap your hands and somebody just shout, yes! Ha! Ha! I know, Sister Dornbach, I know. Because I went there with a word from God to Colorado Springs. And my kids still question, are you sure it was the will of God? Because they really liked refuge. And there's times, younger Sister Dornbach, When things get tough, I thought, man, we're going to go there and we're going to have revival like crazy. And we are to a degree. But that first two years was nothing like I had anticipated. We were there on location. God gave us the power to bring change. But man, we had... He would, Listen, I had some low days. I had days where I couldn't sleep. I was wrestling in the spirit. But I knew I was where God wanted me to be. But I'm going to have to admit, there were times on Monday, I'd bust out my phone, and I'd get that old Zillow app out, and I would start looking for homes back in Liberty. Why? Because it's not that where I was was wrong, but it just didn't look like what I thought it would. So I guess maybe this ain't it. So I guess I'll just go back to liberty. It was easy there. It's like he had the hard job. They, they did the hard stuff. I just showed up and looked pretty. Right? That was, listen, that was easy. I could just come to church and live off your faith. I could just live off your prayers. But God had a certain season for me. And when it came, listen, it did not look like I thought it would. I thought it would be something so elegant 
in something so glorious. Kind of like Moses' face when he came down the mountain. Everybody looks at his glow. Oh, God, look at Moses. But nobody ever cared to look at his feet. Those bloodied feet that climbed that mountain. We climbed all by himself, all alone. So we're looking for the glory in the face. But what about the bloodied feet that God said? How beautiful are the feet. There's nothing uglier on a, the physical anatomy. Do you have a problem with feet? Okay, all right. Bring the tubs out. We're going to do some foot washing. I knew I was in the Holy Ghost. All right. But how, on, how could God say, how beautiful are the f- What translation is that? But the thing is, God was saying, the reason why beautiful are the feet of those that preach the gospel is because they show up right on time. And it has to do with timing, not appearance, not preference. Right? So what we have to do is, we have to acclimate to the immediate, what God's already done. We're playing catch up. And it's in that moment, don't Throw away your season because it does not look like what you thought it would. Because beautiful isn't always pretty. But the last thing. Now I'm going to need some help with some music because I'm going to sing a song in a moment. And it won't be pretty. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You don't have to play just yet, but when you get up there, just kind of smile and wave at everybody. (laughs) But here's the deal. The fourth and the final thing, remember, you've got to expect the right kind of change. Not God to change your circumstance, but God to change you. The second is, you've got to receive the right kind of lift or receive a healthy understanding of what your relationship looks like with the congregation and with the pastor and leadership. The third is you have got to be able to acclimate to what God does in the immediate. But the fourth thing is, watch this. Watch this. I'm going to read verse 8. The Bible says, And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple. Sister Dornbach, the fourth and the final thing that I see that he did to accelerate God's timing. You've got to take the leap. Watch. Because when beautiful isn't pretty, let me say it like this. When you don't experience what you expected, there creates a trust gap. 
and how you respond to that trust gap when you don't experience what you expected, how you respond to this trust gap is what will define you as a person and the church culture that you belong to. Because you will either, when you have this trust gap, pastor said it was going to be like this. And this is what I experienced. It was going to be like this. And then it's not. There's a trust gap. And you begin to question everything. But watch me. You can either feel that trust gap with trust, Intentional trust, that's where you take the leap. Or you could have a church culture that is identified by suspicion. Suspicion. So when you don't experience what you expect, well, I wonder if uh, what's going on here? You know, and, and we, we, listen, we had people, I got text message right before service. They're saying, hey, somebody's saying this about this situation. Well, who's actually doing this and that? And, the other? and it was almost like all this suspicion that was coming up. And I said, no, we've got to close that gap. We've got to learn to intentionally trust when we don't experience what we expected. I thought that I was going to come and I was going to see this happen. I thought I was going to be this. I thought I was going to have that. But when that gap is created, that's when you got to say, you know what, I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to be offended. I'm going to take the leap and I'm going to trust that God has my season. He's ready for me. I'm going to take the leap and I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to give. I'm going to believe. So what we have to do when we don't experience what we expected. When we look at that trust gap, you know what? Regardless of what beauty looks like, I'm going to take the leap and believe. And I am going to see what is on the other side of that gate called beautiful. I'm going to see everything that God has destined for me. All because I refuse to give in to offense. I refuse to give in to a suspicious mindset. Well, can we listen? Faith, you can be critical all you want. But your faith sometimes calls for you to take a leap. When your cerebral faith can't make sense of your situation there are times that God's going to say listen it don't look like the finances are there it doesn't look like you're loved it doesn't feel like you're a part but you better take the leap because you're about to step in to your season so don't settle don't sell out don't quit don't give up because it is your season even if beautiful isn't pretty stand with me all over this house before I ask you in a moment we're going to respond and we're going to pray not because I'm here but it's time 
But before, I want to introduce you to somebody like I usually try to do. I want to introduce you to somebody like last night I introduced you to my cousin Jerry. But I want to introduce you to a girl named Amanda. I met her in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Amanda, her story, I'm just warning you, it's not pretty. This is Amanda. I met her at one of the revivals we were preaching at. And she came up to me, she's very gentle, very meek and mild. And you'll see in my hand, I, she handed me her testimony. And I've got it right here with me, but in the picture you can see it. It's got pictures and it's got her testimony typed out and then all the church's information. But her testimony says this. I was born into poverty on Vancouver's downtown east side where I was abused in every single sense of the word. From the moment I took my first breath, I was tormented by demons and thoughts of suicide since the tender age of just seven years old. By the age of 22, I was running to hell as fast as my little fallen feet would carry me. But on Sunday morning, August 2nd, 2008, after a violent fight with my mother, the pain was more than I could bear. And I then did the unthinkable when I stepped out onto her fourth floor balcony and I threw myself headfirst over the railing, landing in the cemented in courtyard that was waiting to greet my body more than 53 feet below. I was in full cardiac arrest when the paramedics arrived. I told you, it's not pretty. But she says, at the hospital, the doctors removed the entire right side of my skull cap to reduce the pressure on my brain as it swelled so rapidly. And I was given less than 72 hours to survive. The entire family braced themselves and came to the hospital to say their goodbyes. I lived in a coma for over a month and endured a handful of life-saving operations. Still, the prognosis had been so grim as the doctor said if I came out of it, if I came out of it, I'd never care for myself or my little daughter again. I defied all their expectations and when I opened my eyes and began praising the name of Jesus, I was sure he had a family and a place for me to belong out there somewhere. And the story is that she told me that is not written in the pages. It took a while for her to get out of that hospital from her coma and then to go through recovery and rehab. But she said, Brother Near, can I tell you something? I said, yeah, sure. She said, what I don't tell everybody is that when I was in that coma, 
every day Jesus came to me. He introduced himself to me. She said, when I moved after rehab and recovery, she said, after I moved, we moved across town. But when we got in our apartment building, I looked across the way and out the window, I saw the exact building, the red brick and the stained glass. It was the exact building that God showed me while I lay in a coma. He showed me in the spirit the place where I would go, that I would find him fully. She said, Brother Near, when I walked into that building that God had showed me in the spirit, She said, I knew everything he was preaching because Jesus already told me while I laid there on my deathbed. He told me the doctrine. I don't know how he did it. I don't know how this all works. But God taught her. She said, I walked into that sanctuary and she said, I already knew the people. She said, I heard them start to sing and I already knew the song. I don't know how God does that. And she was baptized in Jesus' name, just like Jesus told her. She received the Holy Ghost speaking in that heavenly language as Jesus had instructed her. But can I tell you, if God can show that broken young lady in the spirit what the building looks like, If God can show that broken young lady what she needs to do and quicken her heart when she recognized the people and she recognized the songs. If Jesus can do it for her. Because here's the deal, it wasn't pretty. But to her, what looked like death Ultimately, in the next season, she recognized it as her deliverance. What looked like a suicide attempt became her first step toward salvation. So whatever you are going through in this house, no matter how painful, no matter how ugly, Beautiful's not always pretty. But there is a shifting that's taking place in the house. The hands on the clock are ticking towards your miracle and your pretty, what's not pretty becoming beautiful for understanding to come into your life. I want you right now across this house. You may not understand everything that I've said, but you can understand this. This is your time for Jesus to do in you what he has desired and designed all your life. So I want you to close your eyes right where you are. Take your eyes off of the ugly and let God begin to move on your heart. Lift your hands all over this house. Come on, there's another Amanda that's in this house. There's another young lady. There's another young man. There's an elder somewhere that you don't understand. Why is this not happening like I thought that it would? Because beautiful is not always pretty. Are you ready? Here we go. Are you ready to take a step of faith? Here's where we're going to begin to apply our faith. And we're going to receive the right kind of change and the right kind of lift. Are you ready? 
in a moment I'm going to say come and when I do I want you to grab your family I want you to grab your friend whoever you're with and I want you to say come on we're going to receive the right kind of change we're going to take the right kind of steps and we're going to see God do what only he can so would you come would you come to this altar as we begin to worship come on refuge beautiful isn't always pretty but it's time come on would you join us at the front would you join us as a guest would you come and receive what God has for you This isn't the end. This is just the beginning of something brand new.